episode 131 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. As always, last show of the year. Last show of 2021. What a wild year it has been for everybody as this pandemic continues to shape our futures. And um, I want to talk a lot about the pandemic on the show this week. I do also want to talk about the good week between shows that the Knicks had, including a big win over Atlanta on Christmas Day, which made my day a little bit nicer. I'm sure it made yours uh, that as well. Uh, Hope you all enjoyed Christmas. Hope you all have enjoyed the holiday season and hope you are getting ready uh, to have a fun New Year's Eve and New Year's day. And I hope you're staying safe out there as well. I know with the new variant, trust me, uh, it is not easy. I, I know. So, I hope you're doing uh, as well as you can be right now. And again, always appreciate you taking the time to listen to this show. Let's start positively uh, with the good week the Knicks had on the court. And it started on Christmas Day. Uh, I think a a game that really was going to make this stretch, um, in my opinion, you know, make or break. I thought this game was crucial for the Knicks to grab, especially considering the fact that Trey Young did not play. In this game, Knicks needed to have it, and the Knicks dominated from start to finish. Uh, Really, from the very tip, I think the Knicks went on something like an 18 or 19 to 3 run to start the game. Um, Hawks, you know, made it, uh, you know, somewhat competitive, um, especially in the second quarter, but the Knicks shut the, the, the Hawks down for most of this game and won pretty convincingly. It could have been worse, to be honest. They won 101. To 87 uh, great crowd at the garden it needed to be a great atmosphere for this game and listen you know Trey Young being in there changes things obviously but you got to take advantage of these games Knicks needed a win badly against a good team and uh, Knicks took advantage fully of uh, not needing to deal with Trey Young and you know I, I thought defensively the Knicks really played well in this game and um you know, now the Knicks have taken two straight from the Hawks again. Didn't matter last year when the Knicks dominated the Hawks in the regular season. The Knicks lost to Atlanta in the playoffs. But, you know, just for the Knicks to get back on track, this was a very, very important game. And, uh, you know, listen, despite the great defensive work, Collins, uh, John Collins had 20, you know, uh, and played well. DeLon Wright had 20 as well, but... It was holding the rest of the team in check. I, I think only two other players had double figures, and both of them shot really poorly from the field and from three in particular. So that really ended up being the difference in the game. Hawks only shot 34% from three. The Knicks shot 40% from deep. Randall had 25 and 12. Kemba had a Christmas Day triple-double, joining an elite group who have done that. Evan Fournier was huge with 15 points. Quentin Grimes, what a stretch he's had. 15 points off the bench. You know, with with Derrick Rose out, those are the kind of performances you're going to need, especially with, you know, Alec Burks not chipping in a ton and having Obi Toppin back with 13 points. You know, crucial and made this a runaway for the Knicks. It never really was close uh, against Atlanta. And that's, that's how it should be. So that was huge, a huge victory, not only for everyone to have a, 
an even better Christmas than, than already was planned, but to get one over again on Atlanta and to take advantage of, of not having to deal with Trey Young. I mean, I, I think we're really starting to see this season how important Trey Young is to this Atlanta team. And to be fair, the Knicks won in Atlanta and ended their home winning streak with Trey Young in the lineup. But man, if Trey Young's not there or he's not hitting on all cylinders, this Atlanta team is very beatable. No question about it. And they they went on that great run in the playoffs last year. No question. And they deserve the accolades of it. But something tells me that's not going to happen again because this team needs Trey Young to be really good every night to win. And what we've seen the last couple of weeks with him out of the lineup, with him even at times in the lineup, it has not been very good. So we'll see. You know, we'll have to see what happens with Atlanta moving forward. But uh, I must say, you know, some some of the performances from the Hawks of late have left quite a bit to be desired. No question about it. So we'll see. It was important for the Knicks to get this win. Uh, Knicks have struggled on Christmas Day in recent years. I don't know. Again, I forgot to look this up, but I don't have the number in front of me, but the Knicks always tend to lose on Christmas Day. It was nice uh, for that to change this year uh, in particular, especially with the Knicks, you know, off to a bad start or not off to a bad start uh, to the season, but on a bad run at the moment going into that game. That was, that was one that, that felt really important. It really was a game that the Knicks, I thought, had to have and they grabbed it. You know, they, they really, uh, in this on this occasion, they played extremely well. I, I thought defensively, by the way, Mitchell Robinson played really well in this game. Had five blocks and eight rebounds, six of them on the defensive end of the floor. And listen, you know, R.J. Barrett has continued his struggles. We'll talk about that, uh, especially when we get to the Detroit game. But uh, I, I thought the bench really picked things up. And uh, Julius Randle on, in 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 this particular game, played really well, as did Evan Fournier. So they needed it, they got it, and they took some momentum, you know, going into Minnesota, a team that has, you know, definitely surprised to a certain extent. I didn't think that they would be competitive this year, but they've been pretty solid at times. And they've been, you know, decent at home as well. They've been around or above 500 at home for most of the season. But the Knicks, again, defensively, did what they had to do. They did have five players in double figures. Nobody really went off in this game. And to, to kind of illustrate that, Mitchell Robinson was the leading scorer. So that kind of tells you <laughs> right off the bat that nobody really blew things up. But 14 points, 18 rebounds for Mitchell Robinson. He was a man-child in this game. Had a couple of nice dunks as well. Uh, double-double for Julius Randle, he had 13 and 15 rebounds, Fournier had 13, Kemba had 10 and 4 rebounds, only 2 turnovers, that was key, RJ Barrett really struggled again from the field, only 3 of 10 for 8 points, so he was, he was not great, but Quentin Grimes, despite his poor shooting, did give you 11 off the bench, Toppin, Gibson, and Burks all had 7 points off the bench, they were all really needed quickly getting six and four assists it was great to see him getting back into the the groove a little bit uh off the bench he only played 15 minutes but he used them wisely and the Knicks grinded one out 96 to 88 it wasn't pretty uh, at times I must say especially in the second quarter in particular uh, the game really turned into a rock fight uh during those 12 minutes but the Knicks really had a strong second half at least in the third quarter 
and were able to put Minnesota away. So I, I was happy with this one because it's, again, another relatively decent team, right? And then you're able to really kind of keep them in check in this game. And listen, Timberwolves were missing some guys, but you got to put them away. And that's exactly what they were able to do. And, and besides, I mean, Malik Beasley had 20. I think McDaniels, Jaden McDaniels had 18. Was there anybody else in double figure? I can't even remember. I think maybe Jalen Noel was in double figures. That's it. You really shut them down and, and needed to in this game. Again, it was a, a Timberwolves team that was missing some guys. So most notably, Carl uh, Anthony Towns did not play, obviously. So needed it. Needed to keep the momentum rolling. And the Knicks were able to do just that. Honestly, not much else to talk about from this game. Uh, this was not a great game. <laughs> this one against the Timberwolves in particular. So we move on uh, last game to look at from the past week during the holiday season uh, was that game against Detroit. And, and this one, my God uh, was a tough watch. Um, this is where the, the whole starters conversation has started to perk back up and rightfully so this Detroit team is probably the worst team in the NBA. They were 3-12 at home going into this game. And the Knicks, who have been good on the road this season, it's where they've been at their best, um, really didn't play well in this game. And the starters were a big reason why. Obviously, Quentin Grimes ended up getting a start. You, you can't really knock him. He only played 13 minutes. Listen, I know, I get it, he didn't make a shot. But you really, the three you're looking at are Randall, Robinson, and, and Kemba who all played over 20 minutes, none of them broke double figures, and combined for only 14 points. Now, the good news is that Julius Randle did other things. He had 10 rebounds, he had 5 assists, he had 2 steals, and only turned it over 3 times. But Mitchell Robinson and Kemba Walker also turned it over 3 times as well. So, again... I get it with Kemba to a certain extent. He's going to be a little Jekyll and Hyde. This was pretty bad, but he's going to have that that stretch. Julius Randle cannot have five points in a game. It's just not acceptable. Just, just can't happen. He's got to be in double figures. Five points. That's just not good enough. And Tom Thibodeau didn't play the starters in the fourth quarter. And it worked. <laughs> it worked out. Because the Knicks were abysmal in the third. Abysmal. As bad as we've seen them all season in that third quarter. And they got outscored by 14 points. Knicks had a pretty comfortable lead going into the second half. A lead they should have built on. They had a seven-point lead. And it got up, I think, over double figures at one point. And they just laid an egg in the third quarter on both ends of the floor and they got it all back basically in the fourth and then some outscoring Detroit by 16 in the fourth because the the bench took over that's what happened you you handed the reins over to Alec Burks who was absolutely phenomenal had 34 points I believe which is a it might be a career high he was phenomenal quickly had 18 and 8 of 8 from the free throw line. Those were much needed free throws throughout the quarter. And Toppin had 9 points. And was crucial. 
And by the way, Taj Gibson had four blocks and eight rebounds. He was stepping up in the latter stages. I mean, this is all you need to know, right? And I don't always love this stat. I think it's misleading in certain regards. But the plus minuses in this game tell you everything you need to know about why fans are concerned now about the starters against a really bad team, by the way. Like, if this if this was an off night against even an Indiana, a, a Miami, a Boston, you know what I mean? A Det- not a Detroit, sorry, a, a, a Philly. You know what I mean? That Then you wouldn't be as concerned. But Detroit's the worst team in the league, potentially, this season. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't have that bad of a game from the starters. But the bench picked Detroit, I should say, picked uh, the Knicks back up and picked Detroit apart in the fourth quarter. But again, the plus minuses. Julius Randle was a minus 27 in this game. Robinson was a minus 22. Grimes, minus 17. Walker, minus 21. And R.J. Barrett, who was the leading scorer amongst the starters, minus 29 when he was on the floor. I mean, that is awful. Really bad, considering who the opponent is. But the bench... Quickly was plus 27. Burks was plus 28. Miles McBride, who didn't make a bucket, was plus 39. He played 25 minutes. That's how good defensively he had to be. Three assists and two steals, four rebounds. He did what he had to do. Taj Gibson was a plus 31. And Obi Toppin was plus 36. That's how drastic it is. And it showed up on the scoreboard, luckily. Because when the when the starters came out, the game changed. The game totally changed in the fourth quarter. And, and the, the bench just made better decisions and made shots. Alec Burks came up huge in the fourth quarter. No question. And it started in the third. Uh, that's that's probably what made Tibbs make the decision. There's a big, I think it was an and one with like maybe uh, something like 20 seconds left in the third. Maybe a little bit more. I forget how much time was left. It was as the third quarter was ending. So forgive me. I forget how much time was left. Might have been the last play of the quarter actually. But Burks makes a tough shot and gets fouled at the end of the third quarter. That was kind of Tibbs's inkling turn like sign to say you know what f it i'm taking the starters out i'm taking them out the bench is going to take it from here and they finished it off they finished it off and they got a much needed win the knicks needed this win and now they're back to a game below 500 they're right back where you want them to be after this tough stretch this is what i was hoping this was what this is exactly what i said on the podcast last week Knicks needed that Atlanta game because if you get that game, you can win a couple in a row here. And that's exactly what happened. Knicks have now won three in a row. They're back to where they, they're close to being back to where they need to be. They're back on track somewhat now. They've got OKC on the road on New Year's Eve. They need to win that game. Because if you get back 
to 500. If you can get back to 18 and 18 going into 2022, it's a different story. It's a different story now with this Knicks team. And with that three-game winning streak as well, they've jumped over Toronto and Boston. They've made up some ground here. And that's exactly what I was hoping for. You get a win over Atlanta. Things look different now. Things look different for the Knicks. And again, despite the poor play from the starters, the bench got you over the line. And the Knicks are right back in this. That's all it can take sometimes in a season. Just a little spurt. And things can change. Two two big things in general that need to change for the Knicks. Knicks have one of the worst home records in the East. 7-11 at MSG. That's got to change. It, it, just, it just has to. Nick, Knicks have got to be above 500 at home. But the good news is, is the Knicks have got one of the better road records in the conference at 10-7. and seven. One of the best. That's been the difference. It's what's kept the Knicks in this thing. It's, it's that road record. It's remarkable. But now we wait and see what they do on New Year's Eve. You guys might know the result by the time you listen to this podcast, but this is a huge stretch for the Knicks to kind of get back on track. The tough part about the the game against OKC is going to lead me into my second topic, which is uh, Julius Randle won't won't be able to play because of COVID safety protocols. He will not be in the lineup. But we'll see. The Knicks at times have been able to manage, but you need Julius Randle on the floor. We'll see how he does, uh, how the Knicks, I should say, do without him. It's going to be a tough ask, but on the road against OKC, Knicks, Knicks should win. Nick should win that game, make it four in a row, and then you take some momentum going into the new year, into the next part of the season, where you got Toronto and Indy and Boston twice, and San Antonio and Dallas, and then probably a fully healthy Atlanta. So, this again, it was a key stretch. Knicks have done well during it, and we'll see if they're able to do it again in OKC. Again, what was also important to note a little bit of a, you know, maybe not a defense for the starters here, but it was a back-to-back as well, Minnesota to Detroit. It's not easy in NBA. Back-to-back during the holidays is not easy, you know, but they'll be without Julius Randle, be a little bit more rested. We'll see how they play against an OKC team that they should beat on the road. They should be going to OKC expecting to win. OKC is 12 and 22 and they're just not that good they're just not i know of late they've been okay i think they've won four of their last seven but it's they're there to be beaten they are there to be beaten take them down that's how it should be for playoff contending teams you should go to teams below 500's courts and you should beat them and you should definitely beat those teams at home so we'll see it, it, again, uh, it should be. It, I should say it should be worth noting as well that this stretch is is difficult for the Knicks also because of the fact that you know this is a long road trip now that they've kind of been on or or or, or are in the middle of. I can't talk for some reason, but in the middle of right now, you know, they they had the game at home against Atlanta on Christmas Day at Minnesota at Detroit on a back to back. 
And then you've got to go to Toronto. That's a tough four-game stretch. Just just strictly just strictly on travel. That's a difficult four-game stretch. Over less than a week, basically. That's not easy. Again, and it doesn't matter how good the teams are. That's just a draining stretch. But I, I understand, you know, the issue with the starters. You can't have a performance like that against a team like that. But it was a back-to-back. The Knicks still won. Let's see how they look against OKC. Hopefully they can get a little bit fresher. Tibbs made a decision, and it worked out. You know, it's a long season. Sometimes you have to make those decisions. And it paid off. You know, listen, I ripped Tibbs towards the back end of this Kemba experiment, right? You gotta also praise Tibbs when he makes the right call. He made the right call. He saw that his team was gassed. The starters weren't getting it done. They weren't able to put in the effort that's expected of them. So he said, you know what? I'm gonna put in guys that are gonna do the job. And they won the game. Because you can't throw a game like that away. You can't do it. Not against Detroit. When you got when you had a chance when you have a chance to come back. If there's a way you come back, you do it. And if you gotta bench the starters, you do it. Because the Knicks needed that game and they got it. So I, I give Tibbs credit for pulling the trigger. Some coaches wouldn't be man enough to do it. Some coaches would let the ship sink with the starters. But Tibbs trusts not only the bench guys like Alec Burks and Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly, but he trusts a guy like Deuce McBride to play 25 minutes. A rookie who hasn't seen a lot of the court. He's on a two-way contract. And he does the job. His plus-minus was the best of anybody in the starting, or I should say in the, in the bench five, the bench mob. And he came up with the goods. So you give Tibbs the credit for that and you move on. We see what they do against OKC on New Year's Eve. And again, you guys might know the result by the time you get around to listening to the podcast. Let's take a break here. When we come back, does the NBA need to re-examine their COVID protocols? And frankly, do sports in general need to re-examine their COVID protocols. I'll explain more next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show, let's jump right in to a quote that Draymond Green said uh, earlier, I think in the day, actually. Um, Dave recording of the podcast. Can you guys will listen to this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whenever you guys get around to it during the week? Um, this was set on Thursday, literally like maybe 10 minutes before I started recording the podcast this is why sometimes we wait till later in the day on the Thursday to record because you just don't know when somebody uh, or when a story is going to break, when someone's going to say something. Um, basically this is all stemming around the fact that the Warriors Nuggets game has been postponed um, on top of the news that Julius Randle is in health and safety protocols for the Knicks. The Warriors were supposed to play the Nuggets tonight on the Thursday. 
Um, in the end, the game has been postponed. It's the 11th NBA game to be postponed this season. Um, few things to, to note here uh, before I get to the Draymond Green quote. This is a difficult situation, right? There's so many things to keep in mind. The CDC stuff is constantly changing. The the availability of tests is changing. I know that doesn't always apply to sports because certain organizations, leagues, you know, I'll get to college in a second. Schools have no problem getting tests. I'm not worried about, you know, I'm not trying to say that. But it's tough for society in general to get tests and things like that at the moment. It's, it's crazy right now. And at-home tests have been recalled. At-home tests aren't even available in a lot of places. There's a lot going on. So this is not easy, even for the leagues, even for, for pro sports, college sports, whatever, to deal with this situation. With that being said, Draymond Green made a really good point on Twitter earlier today. And it's my whole conundrum with sports right now in its dealings with COVID. This is the tweet that Draymond Green set out. I'm getting it off an SI article, but this this is the quoted tweet. Quote, how do you continue to cancel games when you've implemented rules to prevent this from happening? Is that not a competitive advantage for other teams? The guys we didn't have due to the protocol list played no role in Tuesday's loss. Pick a side, but don't straddle on the fence. Green went on to say, quote, so when the game is rescheduled, which will probably take a day away from our quote-unquote break, we will play them at full strength, but they got to sneak a win when we weren't at full strength only two days ago. Let's make, let's make it make some sense here. I'm with Draymond on this. It doesn't make any sense. And again, that's with it being you know, very clear that this is not an easy situation at all to figure this stuff out. You know, within a week, you know, people that got the booster now don't have to quarantine if they've been subjected to COVID, but don't have symptoms. That just happened. Like that just, some people don't even know that's a thing. It just happened. Like things are changing constantly here. And this is the most, arguably, I think statistically as well, correct me if I'm wrong, the most contagious strain of COVID has been the latest one. So there's that to deal with as well. It, it's, and people that, are, you know, people that have been vaccinated, people with the booster are still, are, are getting it, but it's not as bad as the people that are, va- that are not vaccinated or don't have the booster, stuff like that. But I understand where Draymond Green is coming from. If we're going to play the games, they there's got to be some fair play here. You know, this is a little hypocritical, this situation. The Warriors just lost a game because they weren't ready to play. They didn't have the, the proper amount of players. Or I should say, not the proper amount. They could play because they met the amount that, that COVID allows you to play with. But they were decimated because of COVID and they lost. But because Denver doesn't have, or, or Denver's in a similar situation, maybe maybe a player or two difference as far as who actually has COVID, they get a postponement. Now, may, they might be healthy to play this game. 
That's a little unfair. That's a little unfair. I, I bring up college as well. I'm watching my alma mater play last night against Providence. Seton Hall had seven players out with COVID. Seven. That's half the team. If Seton Hall had one more player out with COVID, they wouldn't be allowed to play. That's how tight it was. But that, but because the league rule is eight players and you're good to go, Seton Hall had to play. And they had no front court. Everybody in the front court except for a walk-on, or I should say a, a really inexperienced freshman, they were out. They couldn't play. And listen, I give I give the Pirates credit. They fought and they fought. They never gave up, but they lost. And and a, and a few writers said it after the game. They're playing with one arm tied tied behind their back. What are they supposed to do? That, that, that there's no they have nowhere to look. They were decimated because of COVID. And Providence, you know, fair play them. They won the game, but how is that fair? How is that fair? It's really difficult to make sense out of it. It really is. I mean, so many college teams haven't played in weeks. And now if they've got enough guys, they're expected to play? I know that at some point they do have to play. I get it. But this is a little ridiculous. It's, I mean, it's getting to that point where you start to wonder, how fair is this? How fair is this on the teams? Should we up the amount of players required? That was the first thing I thought of watching college games last night. Should it be 10 players instead of 8? Because, let, like, Seton Hall in some ways were, was lucky. What if it all, What if the starters had COVID? They would have had only bench players out there. It could have been flipped. Either way, it's bad. But it could have been, it's, these are scenarios that could come up when you're real, when you start to look and you're like, wow, only five starters and three bench players? Eight guys? You start to wonder how fair it is. You really do. Because at some point, those kind of situations could crop up. Where you're looking around and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, they might have eight players, but none of them have played. How fair is that? And and I don't even have the list in front of me, but it's got to be 20, 30, 40, 50? Different college teams have dealt with this, if not more. It's getting ridiculous. To the point now where teams like Seton Hall and others have to play three games in a row with only eight guys. And then you look at you look at the Knicks. Knicks had Julius Randle for a while. Now he's got to go into the health and safety protocols. He can't play. In a really important game for the Knicks, try to get back to above 500. Now the whole the whole team has been decimated at different points in the last month due to COVID. It's a big reason why the Knicks are where they are right now. Missing Barrett and Toppin. And quickly. 
and others. Kevin Knox. Another point that should be made as well. At this point, it almost doesn't matter who gets it. If it impacts your bench, if it impacts your depth, it matters. And to Draymond Green's point, depending on the amount you have, you're throwing a game away. You're throwing a game away. But then the NBA goes the other way. Now it says, well, now, you know, the Nuggets, all right, well, Nuggets will postpone. Hold on a minute. You just made the Warriors play with a dwindled rotation. But the Nuggets, because it's maybe one or two more guys, they get a postponement? I get where Draymond's coming from. I get it. I think, I, I, I genuinely think this should be looked at. It's, it's honestly, in the Premier League, I've seen it. Where you're just looking and you're like, how are teams supposed to play with so many guys out? Now, to be fair, the Premier League has really been been pretty strict on, well, if you don't have a certain amount, we're postponing. I don't care what you say. You're not playing. So I get that part of it. But there are teams that have been absolutely decimated. Where you go, well, what are they what are they supposed to do? What are they supposed to do? And that's why if you're gonna play the games, right? If you're not gonna take a pause like the NHL did, if you're not going to take a month off and try to figure this out, this has to be looked at. Bare minimum. You have got to review this and think, is this fair? Is this going to be something that can last? Because, you know, we've seen this new variant in other parts of the world where it's it's faded off and it's tapered off. But that doesn't mean another variant isn't coming down the pike. In three months, we could deal with this again. It's likely we will. So we need a plan that makes it as fair as possible if we're going to play the damn games. If you're going to play... It's got to be as fair as it possibly can be. It's got to be. And and some of the stuff I've seen, I just... I wonder, is this fair? Is it fair enough to the players? Is it fair enough to the coaches? Who some have also missed out because of COVID. You know, there's some teams you look at, not only do they are they missing half their team, they're missing half the coaching staff. You start to wonder, man. You start to wonder how much longer this can go before changes have to be made. Or a stoppage has to come. That's what I'm worried about. Because as much as I want to see sports continue and crowds in the arenas, and that's changing, you know, in the tri-state area, that's slowly changing. Where, where you, you know, you're required now to show a vaccination card. And things like that to get into games. But. It comes down to this. Is this sustainable? And is it fair? To everybody involved? The answer is I don't know if it is. I really don't. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't seem fair. 
And Draymond Green really put it in perspective, at least for me, with that tweet. Said what I was thinking. Because at some point, you know, you you got to look at this and think, man, either we stick to one thing, and you know what, then if it's unfair, you deal with it, or we got to look at this again and review this, because... You know, there's, it's one thing to try to straddle the line. It's another thing to hop back and forth over the line between both sides. And we've seen that with college conferences. We've seen that with the NBA now. We've seen it with the Premier League in certain regards. And we've seen it in other sports too. I think the only sport that's been pretty firm, at least from what I've seen, uh, has been the NHL. They took a break. They said, you know what? We're not doing it. We're taking a break. And they came back. Uh, I believe on Boxing Day. And and from what I've seen, I haven't checked any scores, but I haven't, I haven't checked any news. I'll do it now, but so far, it's been okay. But we'll have to see. Because again, they had, to, to be fair, the NHL, they revamped their COVID protocols. And actually, as I'm reading, they they have suspended a game. The Coyotes were supposed to play the Stars on Sunday. They've postponed the game. So they're still dealing with stuff. Because this this variant is as contagious as any we've had, if not the most contagious. So it's all stuff that has to be dealt with. And I'm bringing it up because it's continuing. This is continuing to evolve week in and week out. It's changing by the minute, like it did at the beginning. We're getting back to the stage again, where it feels like March of 2020, to a certain extent. And we have to see what happens, see what the CDC says, see what the government says, and and figure it out from there. But I have to say this again, because, it, you know, this is the biggest thing that's going to help. Get vaccinated get the booster. If you can do it, get it done. Get it done. You're only going to help the situation and help yourself and help those around you. There's been friends who I've been talking to who have gotten the new variant over the last couple of weeks, but they've had minimal symptoms because they're boosted. They've got the vaccine. They've received the booster shot and it hasn't been bad for them. They've had minimal symptoms but they've been okay. And now with the new CDC guidelines, when they don't have symptoms anymore, although they've had it, when they test negative, they're gonna, they can go back to doing what they normally want to do. If they want to go back to work, they can go back to work. And again, if you've been exposed, you don't even need to quarantine. You just need to make sure after five days that you've tested negative and that you're, you're good to go. So again, if you want more information on that, go to the cdc.gov and get the information that's required to make these decisions. And we'll see how sports continues to evolve into 2022. Because that's it, folks. That's the last show of 2021. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Um, I can't thank you guys enough for tuning into this show week in and week out throughout COVID, before COVID, you guys have been so supportive throughout it's really really appreciated 
Um, hit me up on Twitter at SJ7 or in the comments, posting at toasting.com or on Clubhouse as well. Um, those are the places to reach me. Uh, Twitter's the best place. It's normally the place where I'll get back to you the quickest, as you guys know. So at SJ7 is the place to go. That's going to do it. So all I have to say is Happy New Year to everybody out there. Please stay safe, follow the CDC guidelines, and stay as healthy as you possibly can. And hopefully we will have a happy and healthy new year in 2022. Again, thank you for listening to the podcast. Have a great new year. Enjoy New Year's Eve. Enjoy New Year's Day. Enjoy 2022. And the next time I will see you will be January 7th when we rock into the new year. And we'll talk more Knicks. We'll talk more NBA. And I'm sure we'll talk more pandemic. But until then, enjoy the sports as best you can enjoy life as best you can have a happy new year have a happy 2022 and i'll see you guys next time on the shock shock nicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network